Welcome to this edition of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Mike and Dolfo, Lou Rabot. Lou, I didn't think you were supposed to be here today. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. <sighs> yeah. You were supposed to be in Nolens. Shout out to my cousin Tommy, who is very, very under the weather, unfortunately. And so uh, had to call me uh, several weeks back and tell me, hey, man, I can't go to New Orleans because uh, I can't drink. And what good is a 40th birthday party in New Orleans if I can't drink? And I tend to agree with him. So I am here. In cloudy Louisville, Kentucky. Cloudy, rainy, and cold, like nasty outside. I mean, like just it's it is it's gonna get it's gonna get bone chilling cold. It's probably gonna be a lot warmer in New Orleans for sure. Uh, So 40th birthday party is still happening, or it is not. Uh, We like totally off. It is off. We are um, hoping that his well health will be better in a year when I turn 40. Oh, that's Um, some serious stuff right there. And then he and I will reprise our 40th. And do I get to go to your 40th birthday party? You do. Okay. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of like if I'm asking you on the air, I'm kind of inviting myself. What are you going to say? Is, is, is that kind of like the equivalent of the guy asking someone to marry him on the Jumbotron? On the Jumbotron, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. And then she gets home. She's like, I can't believe you did that to me. Yeah, uh, I'm not marrying you. Yeah, right. You're yeah, not yeah. coming to my birthday party. <laughs> but no, so we're going to reprise something else, and uh, we'll figure out something either late uh, late February or early May, March of next year, excuse me. And, you know, you're missing the Risen Star, which, of course, produced last year's Derby winner. I know, and <laughs> it really sticks because there's two divisions this year, right? And so this actually would have been a great weekend to go see a ton of little Derby contenders and all that, but that's how life goes. It's all right. All right, well, th- I want to talk about the two-division things. We got a, we got an awesome show. The, the, we, the race coming in was the final stretch call of the Sam F. Davis. Yep. Uh, so we had two major races from last weekend that I think bear discussion. Um, we have a special guest that we're going to discuss these two past races that happened in the in the two uh, the two heats, I guess you can say, of the Risen Star. Yep. Uh, we got you want to announce who we got coming on? Yeah, sure. We got Megan Devine of TVG. People probably know her from um, her coverage on there. And uh, she's University actually, of Louisville grad. I was gonna say she's got a local tie, so we thought we'd have her on. She is a graduate of the Equine Business Program here at the University of Louisville and uh, worked all over the state, knows all of the tracks here. Um, and, and, and actually recently um, became the on-track personality at uh, Kentucky Downs. So well, we'll be able to talk to her. But about not only that, not only she's worked everywhere. She grew up in the in the East Coast. Yep, in New York, yep. Worked in Santa Anita. Yep. Done everything in between. And now she's working for uh, the media outlet Sky. Uh, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally blank this, but it's it's some it's Sky something. I'm, I guess I should get it right. <laughs> We're going to have her on. <laughs> oh, geez, Megan. Oh, don't hold that against me. Anyway. Uh, but it's basically covering Australia and South Africa and Korean racing. I mean, yep. she is like, it, she's, she has gone from it's a, been a rocket ride, frankly. grunt runner That's in right. 2012 in less than, in less than 10 years to covering the sport on an international, in an international way. That's right. And I'm going to ask her about going from the production side to being in front of the camera. Was that even on her radar? Yeah. Who suggested it? Did she have her own thoughts about it or did, is it something that just happened? So pretty crazy there. Um, and then, like I said, the Risen Star coming up. Let's let's start off talking about the need for the Risen Star to go to two heats. They had so many entries. This is basically what happened. They had so many entries. They didn't want to turn anybody away. Right. But they said, hey, we're going two heats. Right. To me, this is another just state of the state of California racing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't gone there. but um, Is it? I mean – You could absolutely look at it that way. Uh, if you know a jockey's name, he's going to be here for this, right? I mean, it's Javier Castellano, Joel Rosario, Leperu. Well, um, Joel, Joel Rosario is also uh, – Junior Alvarado, Sean Bridgman, Gabriel Saez, Ricardo Santana Jr., Brian Hernandez Jr. I mean, it's, it is a who's who of jockeys, right? And a lot of them have double mounts, so they'll be in – the first heat at uh, which is at 6:38 p.m. and then at 7:12 is the second and 
many of the same uh, jockeys will be in both. Uh, and Rosario, I think, got suspended from uh, Santa Anita because he couldn't race there anyway. So, uh, was that this like weekend? I think the three races, yeah, maybe. Yeah, three days of races. So, right. um, also, speaking of which, uh, hopefully you all tuned in last week to listen to John Sherva on with us. I just – I have not been getting my Sherva report. What's up with that? Do you know? They only send it on days when you're not being funny, damn it. Okay, never mind. <sighs> I know exactly what you're going to say. They send it on days that there's Southern California racing or there's a recap of Southern California racing. <laughs> and what, so I haven't been getting it because there's no Southern California racing. <sighs> You're not funny. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, not a lot of places run Monday, Wednesday, Monday no, Tuesday, that's Wednesday. True. That tends to be like a harness track thing to fill in for a non-weekend. But this is one of the Thursdays that Santa Anita yeah, had to can yep. uh, that they originally had. Um, and, you know, if you listened last week, John Sherva told told us about the state of the backside at Santa Anita with so many empty stalls. Um, and I think it directly, f you know, it directly feeds into why we have two heats of the Risen Star. Right. Another big thing about the Risen Star this weekend, it kicks off our 50-point races. Yep. Um, so we are into the next phase of the Derby prep season. Things start getting a little serious. Although I will say that the three horses that finished first, that crossed the finish line first in the Kentucky Derby the last three years, None of them even started racing in a prep race until the 100-point races. Right. I don't know if that's a trend or not. Um, John talked about it last week that, you know, one of the big changes with the 100-point races is that you get the horses who are peaking at that point. Right. Coming into the Derby. I, I like it. I think you like it. Um, I like the. I John, like what it's done to the race yes, itself. Right. But to be fair, since the point system went in, we've had two Triple Crown winners, too. We have, because right? we had the right fields. Correct. And you talked about it last week. The nomination numbers are down, right, compared to what they used to be. It isn't just wealthy guys throwing their horses at a nomination wall anymore. They have to be really selective about which horses they're sending to the nomination process and which ones are going to run preps and not. And I think that's generally good for the sport. It, yeah. gets, it, it makes the cream of the crop even more of the cream of the crop, and I think that's a general Even creamier? Positive. I think that's the best analogy. Yes, it's even creamier. It's even better. That's right. No, it is. I mean, it, I think we're we're seeing. Um, and what it also allows for, by the way, is a horse like Arrogate to come out in the middle of the summer, right? And, yeah, we're seeing that a ton, right? That's right. And that's kind of cool, too, right? So it's cool that not all these horses are trying to make it in the spring when some of them might not be ready, right? And Arrogate wasn't ready to be nominated, right? Or maybe he wasn't nominated and just didn't run. But, you know, it, it allows for those kinds of horses to jump up in the middle of the year, which is good for the sport, too. The other thing that I think we need to make sure that we talk about uh, along with the two risen stars is that we've got by far the biggest prep for the Oaks uh, with the Rachel Alexander as well going on. And we're going to, um, and, and we're going to see British idiom go to the track again for the, may, maybe the first time since she won the Breeders' Cup juvenile Philly. I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you're going to see what that horse is made of. I'm going to give, I, I want to keep this kind of short cause I want to, go along with Megan Devine and uh but just to kind of give my brief recaps over the weekend we did not see a Kentucky Derby winner this weekend no doubt about it okay uh, although <laughs> Nadal won and you okay. know people so you think listen, none of the horses who ran in California in the San Vicente are going to be we're not gonna, they're not going to win the derby, for the derby. Got it. I, I said win I they, they might be in the race uh, I think whenever we see a Baffert horse kind of step up and win a big race for the first time, it's like there's buzz. And then, uh, but when you look at British Idiom has not run since okay since the the juvenile Phillies. And by the way, yes, your boy had British Idiom as his pick in the uh, yeah. Well, Brit and British Idiom legitimately is probably the Oaks go-to favorite right now, though sure. the the juvenile Philly winner has not fared well in the Oaks. Not always. Um, so no, I don't know the last one to win. Did not – I'm sorry, did Sarah Empress not win last year? I don't think so. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Um, so you can look that up, though, for I me. Will. And you can correct me on air because yeah. we are regular sports fans, and this is the correct. horse racing show for the average the average sports fan. So um, when no way, shape, or form are we experts, right. we're just two dudes having a whole lot of fun and drinking bourbon. What are you drinking, by the way? Do you I remember? think this is the Jim Beam Double Oak, right? Jim Beam Double Oak, which is – uh, definitely not as good as the Woodford Double Oat. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it right now. It's, you know, it's just kind of basic. I don't know. That's Louie tasting the bourbon. So not only did um, she not win 
at the Breeders' Cup, she didn't run it. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> but when you look at that list, I mean, we saw. You're right. That is not um, spectacular bourbon. You, no. you know, the problem is last week we had an unbelievable bourbon. We did. Two that Barstown bourbon was yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my, my point is Nadal uh, with being Baffert's kind of newest toy, I guess, sure. um, is getting a whole lot of buzz. And that the San Vicente, I mean, Justify, or I'm sorry, Nyquist ran in the San Vicente, not Justify. Um, yes, correct. It was the Nyquist route. Nyquist, yeah. Because Justify didn't really run as a, you know, well, Justify was running a lounge race at that point, if I remember correctly. Correct. Uh, so Nyquist won that race and won it almost two full seconds faster than when Nadal ran it in. Interesting, okay. Now, it was obvious, though, that the the race – that Nadal's race kind of uh, was set up for a slower pace. So the speed figure, the Equibase speed figure, really was only one point off of Nyquist. Right. But, you know, we saw just another run to me. And well, first off, Storm yeah, the Court. Santa Anita seems to be running slower right now than it did in previous years. I would agree with that. Uh, Storm the Court's, like, I, I'm going to go. Storm the Court doesn't even start the Derby. Storm the Court's an interesting horse be only because he's still um, he's still in Steve Haskin from Blood Horse's Dirty Dozen at number eight. Because he – we have – And I, I just – and I think you're about to say something that I'm yes, going go to ahead, reiterate, say it. which is that we just haven't seen everybody. Yeah, we haven't seen – well, at least we haven't seen enough of everybody. Right. And so Storm the Court has the most points. Right. Okay? Right. So, like, let's see, let's, let's see if that's still the case in a month. Right. Um, I don't think, I don't think we're going to see storm the court there. Now, the big letdown for me over the weekend, um, was Independence Hall. Okay. Uh, I thought Independence Hall kind of got the run that he needed. I, you know, he was clean. He got out to a really good start. He was stalking the entire way, and just lost so, it. So I have some notes on this. Okay. And essentially, we talked about last week. Um, Tis the law running out too quickly and the jockey pulling him back in, right? And then allowing him back out at the end of the race. Here here are the splits from the Sam F. Davis, okay? And so, by the way, Sol Volante was 10, 12 lengths back. Oh, he, uh, the, the, those three horses of Premier Star and Chapaloo and Independence Hall were way out yes. up front of everyone else. And the, by the way, those other two horses finished – Second to last and last right. because they, they couldn't keep it up. So just the Independence Hall. So here are the splits. Yeah. Okay. 23-3. Which is fast but not, like, blistering. 23-1. The se that's really flat, fast for a second. For a second. And then 25-2. Okay. Right. So what my sense is is that, so like we talked about on the show last week, 24 is sort of the baseline. For the, for the first. For the first quarter. Right. And then you, you tick toward 24, and then the third one was 25, and that's pretty typical. Yeah. Jockeys will kind of know where they are and kind of slow their horses down in that third quarter of a mile. If you want a really great example of this, look at Justify's third quarter of a mile at Pimlico in the Preakness. I know that's a random thing for me to remember, but he was flying. He was like 46 after a half mile, and then they slowed down. It got to like 110 or 111, and so they were able to pull him back um, like Smith was. And so, But the final – the the last quarter of the first mile was 24.7. That's a normal speed, a normal amount of time. Solvolante should not be able to catch you. No. If you're independent at all with those splits. And so it wasn't like it was 22 and a third. It was 23 and a third. It was 23 and, you know, and then slowed down to a 25 for the, th for the third quarter of a mile. It, it should be troubling, and I agree with you that it was not a good look for independent at all. Uh, and I don't think Solvolante – I, I, well, I, Up to I'm number this, two in the dirty dozen, derby dozen for uh, for Steve Haskell. And we know that since the point races come, point systems come into play, it's not favored closers. Man, we've seen so many of these closers win right. these prep races. Right. Um, you know, are we going to have a field full of closers and <laughs> and so it could be like the slowest opening quarter of all time, well, and then the closer of last front wins? year. Last year, if I remember correctly, so. Um, Got to have a rabbit if there's going to be a closer. So, Travis Stone, who does the, the track announcing at, t at, uh, at Churchill Downs, always puts out a chart of where horses fall as, f as the running type. Uh -huh. I wait for it every year. I, s I just I s can't get off Twitter those couple days waiting for it. And I remember last year that – so, there are five different groups. So, there's deep closers, closers, um, middle-of-the-pack horses, 
stalkers and then right. front runners. And stalkers and front runners are basically what it usually takes to win the Derby. Generally, you can take those front three boxes and find your Derby winner. Right. And then a horse like Tacitus was a deep closer. It was a very good horse, but was never going to win the Derby. Right. Right. It's a lot of traffic to to navigate. Had a lot of things going against him. First, his running style, and then he was a Wood Memorial winner, and those horses just don't win the Derby lately. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe we're just stockpiling those fourth and fifth box horses right now, and then we'll get our front runner in the Florida Derby like we did Maximum Security last year. And I think that's right. I mean, I think I mean I you know, I'm probably still in the realm that the Kentucky Derby winner for 2020 has not earned any points yet. I don't know about that, but it's possible. So, and we're going to see, you know, we got a race this weekend. To me, that is, uh, the two races this weekend are nice races, and they're going to have some horses in there that are going to be in the derby field, and they're probably going to have some nice three-year-olds in there, but I don't think we have the derby winner this run this weekend either. Wow. Okay. Possibly. So. Yeah. Just by what I've seen and, and just It's fair to judging. say only because, it's it's fair to say because last couple of years it's been that the, the winners come out of out of hundred point races, right? So, I mean, you're not to, you're not totally off, especially based on recent trends. No. Okay. All right. Well, then let's let's go to the break. Uh, I we have no stable boy today, so um, should we? Mike should is stable man today. I'm sta- I'm doing both. <laughs> I've got to I've got to kind of come up with uh, the music, and I gotta like whatever else. And stable boy's not here, so you just. I mean, he's on the job for less than what. Be nice. uh, less than a day. You'd be nice. We'll have him back next week. Because I did want to un- unveil a new segment. So now everyone's going to have to wait for next time for the new segment. And this is just me really stalling until I pull up I some think sort Megan, of song to come I think to. Megan's appearance will more than, take a, more than make up for it. All so right. We'll be right back. This is the Horse Racing Happy Hour. All right. Welcome back to the Horse Racing Happy Hour. We are not live from Las Vegas, but our guest will be. Her name is Megan Devine. She's with TVG and a couple of different out, outlets, and we will talk about those in a minute. But we asked Megan to come on the show because she does have a Louisville connection. She is a graduate of our U of L equine business program here, but she is in Vegas and is nice enough to join us on the phone for the happy hour. Megan, how are you? Hey, guys. Uh, doing very well. Thank you. Excited to be joining you on the show. It feels like I'm getting uh, I'm very close to my old Kentucky home. Well, there you go. Well, That's awesome. And she's originally from New York. Go so ahead and ask. The first Go question ahead, Mike. Go ahead. is, what's it going to take to save the Knicks? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I only really follow college basketball with the Louisville Cardinals. Look at that. There it is. Immediate pivot to college basketball. Who I lost last it. night? <laughs> they did. They, they pooped the bed <laughs> last night. So. Don't I get points for that since you're in Louisville? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, of course. Uh, all right. So uh, I, you and I have something in common, which is that we're both ice hockey fans. Did you get that growing up in New York? very close to where the Islanders play. Or Out in Nassau, play or yeah, right. Now. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't, but I didn't really get into hockey until later on. So I went to a couple of Kings games out in LA when I first moved there and then uh, had a few very close friends that were heavily involved in the Vegas Golden Knights. So I went to a lot of games, including the, uh, you know, regular season and, and postseason games um, or playoff games when I in the first year of the Golden Knights. The unbelievable so first year of the fun. Golden Knights. Yeah, she got yeah. to follow them on the way to the Stanley Cup. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's been pretty exciting, and um, I just hope that it grows even more. But the energy there is, is really electric, and I'm a big fan of I think we need to do a better job of this in horse racing as well, but it is a sport that, or at least the Golden Knights, um, the organization has done a really good job of just making it fun, making it exciting, making you want to go, making it different than just your average kind of sports game. And I like that out-of-the-box thinking. I found it really uh, really awesome to follow along with and, and to become a fan. Yeah, and it's really – and horse racing, like, we really haven't had that since – really since Zenyatta. Like, you know, we haven't had that, mm-hmm. like, just like and, – and I would remember being at that Zenyatta when she lost the blame and being at Churchill Downs and the energy and the, the – the, if the energy in there was – I guess Pharaoh had it to a point, but Zen, but that's so short-lived. That's our problem, right? Like, we get these horses and they – but Megan makes a good point. It's why people love going to the Derby because the energy is obviously it's great. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, especially at the Derby, too, we, we welcome the new fan a little bit more and we, we open it up to them. Whereas I feel like in a lot of sports, not just horse racing, um, but 
you know, it, we make it hard for them to be a fan and you kind of, you have to, you have to prove yourself in a way. And, uh, and I don't think that that's the way to go about it. So I hope that that changes in our sport. And certainly we kind of see that in other sports as well, but the Golden Knights are a good example of it. So you're full in like on what this show's all about, because we want to reach that average fan and educate them and bring them into the sport. So you're on the perfect show. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up to being a degenerate handicapper, gambler, etc. That's not where my I grew into it. That's not where my uh, love of the game comes from. I I just loved horses and I yeah. rode them, and um, and that is what got me involved with it. So I kind of came about uh, in this industry in a different way uh, than some of the other people that you might see on TV. So it's um, I guess I have a different viewpoint of it, it's, uh, and I appreciate different aspects of the game. Um, that maybe your average degenerate doesn't really care for. Yeah, so you brought up your, your, your own sort of personal past, being in, in the equestrian side of things. I know you rode at U of L, um, and you mm-hmm. got, and you had some good success there. Um, I want to go back a little bit further. You have some very famous alums from your high school, and um, <laughs> and they include, and I will name these people, and and I'm going to watch Mike's face. Uh, Howard Stern. Oh, all right. Uh huh. Amy Schumer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dave Attell. So some famous, mm-hmm. some funny people, and a broadcaster, Kevin Connors, who's on ESPN. There you go. Yeah, so I thought I mean, Megan is the fifth in that line. It, it is pretty clear delineation between Howard Stern and Megan Devine. That's what I like. <laughs> no, I am a, I am a, I. Uh, Mike invited me to come on the show a couple of years ago just to uh, to fill a spot for someone who had uh, become unable to to fill the spot, and I always dreamed of getting into broadcasting because of Howard Stern. I think he's such, I think his interviews are just unbelievable genius. And so it's been, uh-huh. um, I, I just, I don't model anything I do after how he does radio, but sort I think he's though. just a total genius. I mean, cause he's, he's raw and authentic, you know, yeah, right. it's not that's like true. a scripted thing. Podcast like, allows you to do that. Let's yeah. the conversation go where it goes. Right. I mean, that's. Yeah, I agree. And he's, a, and he is very good at evoking emotion um and just authenticity i think from people that you don't always see i think a lot of i mean i encountered a lot with people when i interview them or watching other interviews you know and you really have to to work at it and if you don't it shows um but it's something that i've been very mindful as a broadcaster as a reporter is just making people comfortable and being comfortable and making it a good experience because people will really freeze up in front of the camera and uh, or on the mic i guess and and trying to break that barrier is something that not everybody can do and and you certainly do have to be very very mindful of it and work hard to to do that and uh and you have worked hard because you started out in 2012 i'll have another if i'm not mistaken um <laughs> Sounds right. running just kind of being a runner for nbc if that if i read that correctly and then you have now in eight short not even really eight years yet like seven and a half years have basically covered horse racing all over the world and from all different <laughs> aspects in all different media uh it's pretty impressive what's that journey been like for you has it just been right place right Thank time you. or is it a lot of which i know it's not i know when people say right place right time it's there's so all the work that people don't see going into it and all the things that you were willing to do that others weren't willing to do you know there's a lot of jealousy in this question by the way no there's not there's the truth i, I think <laughs> no that, i'm very jealous like i want to be covering horses oh you do Hong Kong. get, get well, out of here yeah. of course i do yeah, yeah. Australia, let's go yeah well, we gotta do all the stuff that she did to get there so yeah. yeah no thank you very much um it's certainly been a lot of hard work and i'm continuing to do that you know i definitely don't feel like i'm at the top yet yeah, you haven't arrived so i understand uh, we'll continue continue to do stuff but um i started off you know i uh just have always put myself in the right places and worked very hard to get the right people to notice. Um, And I think that's where it comes into right place, right time. But, you know, it's not just that I I lucked out and I happened to be there. I put myself there. And that started with um, NBC Sports. I was just going to the University of Louisville in the equine program. And Terry Birch, the advisor over there, had said, hey, they're looking for someone to give out media credentials and answer phones and information at uh, one of the hotels downtown yeah, or the Breeders' Cup since they were in Louisville. And so I said, all right, I have a couple of, you know, free periods from school, so I'll, I'll go over there. I did, and I met some great people there, Jim Gluckson from the Breeders' Cup, Dan Leary, um, and also uh, Leah Bruin, who is Donna's, Donna Brothers' sister. Uh, and so through meeting them and getting to talk to them and, and my work ethic, they said, you know, you're really great. Let's get you set up as a job as a runner for NBC. So I did that for a couple of years. And I mean, it's certainly nothing glamorous. You work really, really, really long hours and you make copies and you pick people up from airports and you get coffees and take out trash and all of that. But 
you know, you do have access to really amazing people, whether that be the producers, the directors, the on-air talent themselves, many of whom I'm, I'm now lucky enough to call colleagues. Um, and I just took that opportunity to, to learn from them, to ask questions, to um, kind of learn by doing. I have a business degree, so I never intended to end up on television. And it's just been a really awesome journey working behind the scenes for both NBC Sports and also for TVG before I transitioned to on-air uh, and learning that side of things. And I, it gave me a really great appreciation as well for the people that work behind the scenes. I mean, it is a big um, a big goal of mine to never be considered a diva in any way, shape, or form or somebody difficult to work with because I understand what goes on behind the scenes from every aspect, from the lighting person to the graphics to the you know director, producer, et cetera, everyone, utility. Um, so I think that gave me a really great appreciation for the industry itself. All right. So speaking of on-air time and those things, you so you've worked at Turfway, you've worked at Keeneland, you've worked at Ellis, uh, very recently worked at Kentucky Downs. Uh, we have John Sherva. We can, we call him friend of the show, John Sherva. She's worked at Santa Anita. Uh, from the LA Times. I'm, I'm, oh, you're getting there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm bad about questions. that for him. We are the worst married couple ever. <laughs> all right. So we have John Sherva from the uh, LA Times on. I don't know if you know John at all. I feel like he's one of the behind-the-scenes great voices in, in, uh, in Thoroughbred Racing. But um, he's he, he came on the show last week, and he's incredibly concerned about the state of racing at Santa Anita. Um, he mentioned 250, 300 empty stalls, this sort of thing. Out in Southern California, do you do you share, now that you live there, I should say, do you share those similar concerns? And, 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 and in a converse way, how do you view the trajectory of Kentucky racing, especially with, you know, a, a massive infusion of cash at Ellis uh, with CDI buying Turfway Park, uh, building a new, uh, a new uh, facility with Keeneland, um, it just seems to be opposite directions. Is that something talked about in the industry, or am I imagining something? I mean, it's obviously talked about because it's happening. Um, so Kentucky horses are just more, I mean, they're ingrained in the culture there. So you are in the right place. The, it, it is more a part of your daily life. I mean, you, if you live in Lexington, you drive by and you see these beautiful farms. I mean, it's just something that exists there. And also, I mean, it's a little bit more of a... Um, it's not as liberal, I would say, as the state as California. So you have a lot of political influences out in California that make it difficult um, when you're dealing with an issue like this. I mean, I won't comment on Santa Anita directly just because I'm not involved with them day to day. So obviously we can all see that field sizes are smaller, but it's always been tough, or at least for the past couple of years anyways, because you're an island out there. I mean, you can't pull horses from other places like you can on the East Coast in the Midwest. So just geographically, you run into a lot of factors that have made it hard for many years to get that, um, to get those field sizes that we all want. And, you know, you have warmer temperatures. So grass racing is tougher to keep up with and to keep that turf course going. Um, you know, so it, it really does limit you that way. So I think they've done a good job of trying to combat some of those factors with various programs that they've run or, you know, looking into different surfaces, different grasses, all of that. But I mean, you're just, it's harder in general before any of this happens. So what we've kind of talked about all these different things individually, you know, let's, let's bring it together. Overall state of horse racing on an upswing or downswing. Um, I mean, I think it's been, I've, I haven't been it for that long. Right. I mean, I've, I've certainly loved it for a long time, but as you said, I've only been in it directly for almost eight years now. So, um, in that time, I guess it's, it's definitely taken some big hits, but we've also seen other areas grow. I mean, look at the, the races and the product at Oakland and how that's gone up. So I think it fluctuates in different areas. I mean, there are certainly some areas, maybe like Southern California, that are having a little bit of a rough time right now um, and will hopefully survive that and, and be back on the upswing. Kentucky's on an upswing. Um, so you have some different areas that I think are doing better than others. But I think it's uh, just subject to the different factors whether that be um economic political geographic like we said so i think they're doing the best they can with with what they have and it's up in some places down in others i, I just feel i just i guess we're in that up place so i just feel overall like it's it's up like I don't we're know. hopeful megan that with <laughs> with more states taking on sports gambling in general that that Which horse racing here. will horse racing will become part of that fabric for a new crowd for a younger crowd where Instead of waiting four hours for a football game to end, there's a horse race every 25 minutes. And frankly, if you're betting around the country, there's a horse race every six or seven minutes, right? 
And so we're mm-hmm. hopeful that, you know, some of those. Pull out your TVG app. Yeah, and, bet, and that's what we're really hoping because, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, that, Megan, I'll be honest, that's how I got exposed to you was that I would see your picks at the bottom of the TVG app and then sort of just said, who is this Megan girl? And, you know, and sort of uh, checked you out <laughs> after that. And, um, you know, since we're there, um, I'll just go straight into something I, I really uh, appreciate about Megan. So on the app, many of the people who put in picks, it is simply pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, pick sixes, something like that. You actually go out of your way to put in individual win bets. It's very unusual on the app. I wanted to let you know that personally I really appreciate it because it shows even within, you know, you'll, you'll have a win bet and a pick four, for example. It shows which horse you really think has a shot in this race, even if they're at longer odds. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, it's funny that you say that because I, I should actually – tweet at this and if anybody who is listening to this podcast if you wanted to tweet at me and let me know what you'd like to see Mm. um that would be awesome too because i really haven't had much direction in that they just said hey do picks for santa anita (laughs) so i'm I'm known to really enjoy the pick four and and therefore i've kind of spilled into the pick five and obviously i think a pick three is a little easier for somebody that has a lower bankroll um that just wants to play a smaller ticket so you, you kind of have to give different multi-race tickets for different types of customers but i i gotta tell you i love a straight win bet and similarly you know there might be a horse in there that i think okay maybe this isn't my like do i think the favorite's gonna win probably but is there a horse at a bigger price that i think is pretty close second and i'll i'm more than happy to take a you know a ten dollar win bet and put it on a horse that i think will end up at like nine to two maybe it's higher um, so I really enjoyed doing those win bets because not only does it let you know, besides the little gold star on the TVG app, which is my top selection, yes. but I think it also lets you know who I think is the best value in the race. And I think, you know, a value play versus a best bet sometimes is, is almost more lucrative and more rewarding to the customer. Yeah, and it's something, too, you know, if someone sits down with and, you you know, we actually do a segment before every derby, how do you bet $100 over a whole day? And because mm-hmm. we really want it to be approachable for people, you know, and, and so when you put those win bets out there for people, someone might not want to bet $10 to win on a horse, but they might go a couple bucks across the board or something. Right. And so, yeah, um, absolutely. yeah, so it's a really approachable bet. I just wanted you to know that personally, it was something that stood out. And it's frankly, what made me look up who you were was because you were the only one on TVG <laughs> no, really get, putting win bets out there. You, there's a, you have a colleague and I forget his name right now who does a lot of quarter horse stuff and he puts out um, daily double bets, which I appreciate too, because yeah, um, Jose Contreras. It is Jose. Yeah, he really yeah. does. Yeah, he's no, tremendous. I mean, you're right because the other thing is, you know, we talked about this a little bit at the top of the show, but you have to you have to provide avenues for different types of fans. I mean, you you right. don't have the same mold coming in to be a fan or to be a gambler, and so to provide different options, I think, is a really important part of us growing the interest in our sport and the interest in gambling as well. And I, I wanted to touch on something you had you had spoken about with sports gambling. Sure. You know. That has been um, something that's a part of other cultures for a little while. Like I, I got to go to Australia a few years back to cover the Wink Stakes for TVG. And being there, it, it's just different. I yeah. mean, you, you have all of these betting machines in every pub. You know, you have a bet on a Saturday. It's just something that you do. And I thought that that was really important. I hope that we can see that happen more here in the U.S. So it's a little bit more common for people to to bet on various things and hopefully horse racing is one of them and for a while now i think people have have kind of looked down upon horse racing and saying oh well it takes so long in between races but Mm -hmm. i agree with what you said before and for the first time just recently i think it was when i was watching the super bowl this year i kind of thought to myself how are people complaining about horse racing being every 20 minutes or so when you have you bet a football game you might you know, make a small amount of money, but it's not nearly as much as if you hit a big bet in a horse race and you have to wait so long to see your return. So I agree with you. I think it's something that's really positive for the sport as compared to for our sport, as compared to other sports, football, soccer, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So we'll shift again, shift it away from gambling to another section of gambling. Is that all right? Are we going to talk actually about horse uh-huh. racing? We're going to talk like about horse the, racing. About the races? Right. Yeah, right. Settle down. All right. All so right. <laughs> so uh, uh, have you – so two-part question. Have you been to any of the derby preps so far since you are out uh, near Santa Anita? And um, I'm sure you're watching just as much as you are as we are. Any initial impressions, any horses that have stood out, any performances that have stood out? Um, I haven't been to them 
in person because a lot of the time I'm, I'm covering races in the TVG studios. So uh, I have not been physically on track for them. However, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a couple of horses um, that are coming up nicely, uh, you know, in the Bob Baffert barn and, and other places, but there's nothing to me that's really stood out. And I say, yeah, you know, that's the horse that's going to win the Kentucky Derby. I just haven't really felt it at all. And I think, but it's still very early. I mean, I know we're only, what, two and a half months away. Starting the 50-point races. Yeah, right. at the same time, you know, a lot of these horses are are trying something for the first time. Some of them may have just broken their maiden, uh, you know, so got their first career victory and then moved on to, to higher races, graded stakes levels, allowance levels. Some of them are stretching out in distance, so they might have started off sprinting and now they're going to try them long and, and you have to build that up going towards the mile and a quarter for anybody that isn't familiar with the training of racehorses i mean you don't just go run a marathon one day you have to you know do some training get yourself to go further build your endurance and it's very much the same with these young three-year-old horses that just turned three at the beginning of this year you have to to go through that process and that's really kind of what separates the oil and water for the longer distance horses, the classic distance horses, as we call them, that will be able to run in the Kentucky Derby. Right now, we're still in that middle point where we're, we're sifting through um, the stock that we have for, for this year's first Saturday of May. Yeah, I think we're, we're figuring out who's a sprinter and who might actually be able to go the distance, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, I, just, I feel like we're still in that time period, you know, and, and these races coming up, um, especially this month, will we'll really tell us who is going to be in the top 40, you know, and then we, we go from there. So uh, Risen Star, of course, two uh, different, I guess, heats, two different races, race uh, 12 and race 13 at Fairgrounds this weekend. Uh, we were lamenting earlier, Megan, that I was supposed to be at my cousin's 40th birthday party at the Risen Star Stakes this weekend. And um, unfortunately, why, why aren't you going? He is very sick, unfortunately, and so we are not going to be able to oh, go. No, no it, he is. He's. I have. I am the guy who has made him a horse racing guy. He was going to fly from San Francisco, the whole thing, um, but he's he's unfortunately not feeling great. So we're planning on next year uh, as our as our trip to the to the Risen Star. But um, well, that is going to be an awesome party. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, oh no, it's right before Easter and everything. But anyways. Um, so a couple I want of an invite, by the way. Oh man, that's that's tremendous. All right, Megan's coming to New Orleans next year. Man, not so, like going to a forty-year-old man's yeah. birthday party. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> nothing worse than that. It's <laughs> nine o'clock, guys. Aren't we tired? But uh, so the so when you look at these kinds of races, what's your handicapping style for horses that may not have a ton of info on them? Um, you know, maybe they've run three, four times, and they're stepping up to this kind of class. Uh, what would you What would you say to the you know the average person who's looking at these fields and trying to figure out what to look for? Well, I think the best thing that you can do is to um, give yourself the right tools with these types of horses. I mean, in these races, like I said, there are many that are just coming in from, they we call it broke their maiden or graduated. I don't love that term. Graduated from maiden races last time out. So they're still relatively inexperienced. And I think the most important thing is to go back, if you can, if you, um, you know, there's certainly many ways to do so, different accounts, Equibase, uh, DRF, whatever. But watching replays, I think, is really important to me because of my experience as a rider uh, and around horses for 20 years of plus of my life. Um, the physical is really important for me. So that's, I take that into account with race replays. I take it into account with paddock kicks when I'm on TVG. Uh, you know, if I see a horse in the post parade or that's warming up nicely, that's very important. And also workouts, too. And out here in Southern California, we're able to, with XBTV, you know, you can watch quite a few of the workouts for those horses. And I would say that that gets you a better price than almost anything else, at least for me, because I like to analyze the physical of the horse. How do they look, their movement, their muscling, etc. It's also something that you can tune into, you know, leading up to the Kentucky Derby. So that is very, very important when you're separating these types of horses. But when you have the form in front of you, looking at the the past performances uh, of these horses, there's a lot of things that you can look at. Um, you know, you want to see where was their best effort? Where did they graduate from with those maiden races or maybe some allowance races? Have they faced these types of horses before and how did they fare? Did they have any trouble in those previous races? Um, there's overarching things you can look at, like the pace of the race, how much speed is in there, how many horses are going to come from off of it. Um, but I, I typically, you know, if you specifically look at race number 12 at the fairgrounds for the first part of the Risen Star, I mean, I went back and I watched the replay for the grade three Lecomte, yep. part of me, which a lot of these horses are coming out of. And in my opinion, 
the very clear winner of this race based off of that performance is Silver State is the two horse. And I'm shocked to see him on the morning line at four to one. Okay. Silver so, State was the favorite in the LeCompte and got in a whole bunch of trouble. To, so to your point, like we probably saw Silver State overcome a lot of um, adversity in the LeCompte and come in second, even uh, in, you know, and if you just look at that, it's like, oh, that horse was actually, I guess he wasn't the favorite. I thought he was for some reason. Um, I think he was second or third choice. I mean, it was a little muddled um, for who the favorite was, but but you're right. I mean, he had some trouble. You can see that in the comment line. If you don't get the chance to watch the replay, he bobbled at the start. He had some bumps and he was wide. But what I thought was most important and what's not noted in the comment line is coming into the stretch, they really didn't have a lot of room to run. Ricardo Santana had to kind of negotiate some space, and we talk about cover a lot with these horses, and more importantly in turf racing, and, and we talk about it a lot in international racing, but cover is really important for some horses because as soon as they get out from cover, meaning they have other horses in front of them, you know, they, they don't see daylight, we call it. You know, they're just kind of in the pack, if you will. Think if you're running in a pack of people. But then you come out to the side and all of a sudden you've got free air in front of you. For a lot of horses, that's when they know to accelerate and hit their best stride. And Silver State being a closer, a horse that comes from behind, he needed that cover to keep him in check to make sure he had enough stamina to go into the end of the race. And, and then as soon as you, if you watch, as soon as Ricardo Santana is able to negotiate that, um, that room and get that space, the horse just takes off. And I thought he finished better than anybody else in the race. So when you're talking about adding an extra 16th of a mile from a mile and a 16th last time to the mile and an eighth that this race is going to be finishing the race and how they do it is really, really important. You want to make sure you have a horse, like I said, that can, add on to their endurance, add on to their stamina, and hopefully work up to the mile and a quarter. And I think Silver State, at least in this field, is the horse to do so, based off of his past race. And contradictory to that, you could look at the same thing. I guess Scabber was the actual favorite that went off, and Scabber was stalking pretty much the entire race. Um, didn't nearly have nearly as bad of a trip and then, or, uh, as, as, uh, as Silver State, and then kind of just wasn't mm -hmm. there at the end. I mean... So. Yeah, and that, that's a horse that I'm not totally convinced wants to go very far. I mean, I right. know he, he was able to finish up really well in the great Iroquois, and, and we still haven't seen Dennis's moment come back and, and be the horse that everyone thought he was. I, I give an excuse more so for the grade one Breeders' Cup Juvenile, at least for a closer, because the track that day was so unbelievably heavy. I mean, it was just clods of dirt. And so I don't think that any horse is really going to make up much ground. But I couldn't really find a valid excuse, which is one of my favorite things to do when I'm handicapping, is go line by line and say, okay, horse finished fourth, beaten by seven lengths, why? Is there something we can say here um, that was a reason why they didn't do so well? Were they coming back off of a layoff and they needed the fitness? Was there an equipment change? Did they get in some trouble? Was it, you know, muddy track? Whatever it is. And I like to go line by line and kind of figure out each horse as a puzzle that way and find a solution if I can. And, and I think that's often a very lucrative way to handicap as well. And I think a lot of people also forget that, yeah, you might not see all these horses in the Kentucky Derby, but early in the race card, you know, in the Pat Day Mile, yeah. I mean, that Scabbert might be a great horse of the Pat Day Mile, you know, it's, it's something like mm -hmm. that. So, um, and so how do you then evaluate, because, you know, that the allowance race that ran on that same day as the LeCompte is getting a lot of attention <laughs> with, uh, with, with digital and, uh, and blackberry wine and a lot of people really like digital um mm -hmm. what i know that that race was ran with a lot of pace and uh when those horses are coming in obviously the field quality is not as good but the times were very impressive um how do you how do you you know how do you look at those horses that are coming off those optional claiming races those allowance races and you know i mean maximum security at this time last year was running allowance races um kind of stuff so how do, how do you how do you evaluate those new horses coming in well i mean i think we see horses move up all the time right i mean they yeah. have to that's how right. they get to graded stakes levels so you know you have these um animals that are and we see it with a lot of great trainers as well bob baffert chad brown i mean you have to move them up the ladder so you know you have these horses that are running in some tough allowance levels and they're able to take that next step up but i will say with that race in particular i didn't think the times were faster than the lacombs i mean i thought that that looking at the numbers the the grade three was much more impressive than the allowance and they weren't necessarily too far apart but 
I don't know. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't think that that race was an overhaul of the greatest stake event. It was two. It was two tenths of a second faster. But yeah, yeah, so it's it's, mean, it's right there, right? Right. So. But I think there's some horses coming out of that race that are that are interesting. I kind of prefer a horse like Blackberry Wine um, as compared to Digital, but. Uh, I don't know. There's certainly no saying that digital can't come through. Brett Calhoun does an excellent job at this type of a racetrack. And the only thing, the concern for me is um, with that horse, I, he finished second. He was just beaten by a light in the that allowance race you're referring to. And that was his first time stretching out. So sometimes those horses need another go at it. Right. Or sometimes it's just not what they want to do. So I'm interested as they take a step up again, you know, now this is a horse that hasn't even won an allowance level and he's going to be tested even further. So it is double tough for a horse like that, but uh, it's certainly, you know, he's done well in his races so far, so you can't really knock him that much. All right, Megan, so we are totally monopolizing your time. So all I'll do is ask, do you have do you have a feeling about race 13, the second division of the Risen Star? <laughs> Actually, I do. Um, oh. You know, I this, I think, is, is an interesting addition because I think we've got kind of a vulnerable favorite here. I do too. Uh, I, I didn't love the... Breeders' Cup, in fact, I think it was my least favorite race. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, I thought, was a, a terrible race. And, um, you know, you, you look at Storm the Court, who just ran recently, I think, in the San Vicente, yep. uh, and ran nowhere. And I didn't think the horse was going to do very good anyways. So uh, I don't really love that race in general. So for me, I kind of draw a line through it. And I know it was a big effort for him. It was a grade one. He finished second, whatever. But I almost don't even count that in my handicapping here. Then... You know, you look at the Lotal Futurity, and that's an interesting racetrack. First of all, it was a four-horse field, uh -huh. so you don't have much competition that he actually beat. Um, Thousand Words seems to be a very nice horse for Bob Baffert, although I think he still has a lot to prove. I think he's been hyped for a really long time, and his efforts have been good, but I wouldn't say that they've been great. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is that the Los Alamitos has a very long home stretch. And the fact that this horse finished a good second over the mile and a 16th over that really long stretch, now as you're talking about stretching out in distance to the, the mile and an eighth a little bit further, I think that might have actually conditioned him very well to be able to handle that. But uh, personally, a Golden Gate race on the turf course right. does not hold as much weight to me as some of these other races coming in from Saratoga, Churchill Downs, wherever, where these horses might have graduated from their maiden special weight. So I just... I don't think that the races have been as good as they look on paper. Plus, you have a horse coming off a layoff. He's been prepared on synthetic, and you're putting the blinkers on here. So, Lane Wright's an excellent trainer. I'm not I'm definitely not saying anything about that, and I think Joel Rosario is a very savvy rider. So I like that he picks this one up, but I'm definitely not going to put him on top. For me, I have to find a different horse to uh, to use in here, and, and therefore, I think it's wide open. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going with New York traffic, by the way, just for shocking. me. Although, oh, it's shocking. The, the 12 hole there kind of concerns me a little bit. There you go. I think that's my upset for yeah. winner there. I like the the 12 as well. That was the horse I was going to mention. Oh, here we um, go. For Safi Joseph and, and Javier Castellano. Go. I oh, I'm going to have to hear I mean, about I this until Saturday. Ridiculous. Oh, thanks a lot, Megan. <laughs> I don't love that the horses, you know, those races at Parks, I didn't think were terribly impressive, although you had Independence Hall in there and, you know, a couple of others that are, that are okay. Um, but I think that um, – I don't know. I think he's definitely not without a chance. If it's a wet track, I'm interested in the 11 mailman money okay. who, you know, did so well in the sloppy track was originally intended for the turf and it seems to just moved up for Brett Calhoun. And we spoke about his proficiency earlier. So I think that's an interesting one. Um, you know, never count out Steve Asmussen <laughs> with the, uh, with the six horse, although he still has a lot to prove. And um, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's really wide open. And then the one horse too, modernist, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that is the only horse that's actually gone the mile and an eighth distance right. before and has already won over it. So, you know, he's proven at that. And, yes, it was only a six-horse field for him that day at Aqueduct um, in a maiden special weight race. So, again, he's kind of double jumping to, the, to those leveling up there. But um, if you're talking about staying power, maybe he's the only one that has it. All right. Well, this is – Megan, this has been tremendous. You, you, you're awesome. I, I, are you, are you going to be here for Derby by chance? I – have only missed one Kentucky Derby, I think, in like the past eight years. So I really hope that I, I'm going to be there. 
I don't know exactly what I'm going to be doing yet. Yeah. So, uh, All right. So if you're bored to death I'm on Oaks Day for some reason, come find us and sit down for an hour. Like, we'd love to have you on We're, the It's pretty easy Holy to find moly. us. We're the only people in the media center doing a radio show. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> we're sitting by all of the poor photographers who were like, why are these guys talking over here? That's right. Um, oh. All right. Yeah. Well, don't 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 play her out. Yes, I wasn't I trying. Listen, this out. I have an important question for our Megan. producer's not here. Jeez. And that's and I was just trying to get things ready. All right. All right. All right, Megan. This is a free for all. all right, this is all over the place. So, Megan, this is the horse racing. She's happy never hour. coming back. Are you are you going to the are you going to the Knights game tonight? To the Knights game tonight? Yeah. Yeah, why do you think I'm in Vegas? Okay, all right. And what will you, what adult beverage does Megan enjoy at a Vegas uh, Golden Knights game? Oh, well, you know, first of all, it's very cold in there. I'm a small human. Go. I get cold Here we easily. Go. So I have so to that's like bourbon. wear gloves if I'm going to have a beverage. However, um, bourbon is usually my drink of choice. There so it is. I will, yep. All right, hey, so Megan. Uh, during the game or after. Before you go, uh, tell everybody how they can follow. I, I know you're at Megan Devine. Divine with a D or with an E, excuse me, D E V I N E T V on Twitter at Megan Divine TV. Is there anywhere else that you want people to follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram as well. It's the same name at cool. Megan Divine TV, um, and I've got a website out there as well. If anybody is interested in hiring me, I work freelance, so that gives me the ability to work for TVG, work for other outfits, and uh, I really enjoy that and the experiences. So uh, I'm just excited for this season coming up and. And all that uh, 2020 will bring. And I, I really thank you guys for having me on the show. No all problem right, at all, Megan. We really appreciate you. And hopefully we'll catch up again. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. We'll be right back for a final segment of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. All right. Welcome back. Final segment of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Well, Louie, that was worth it. You know, it's amazing what happens when you just DM people. <laughs> that is, uh, please, please don't <laughs> just start DMing. Never mind. Yeah, leave, leave, uh, <laughs> leave Megan alone. She's right. done her job. But no, it was uh, tremendous. Yeah. She's, um, there's a reason that people like that go from producing to being on air because when you can speak. I was going to say, I've emailed, I've interviewed Jim Gluckson before and I haven't gone, you know, working for TVG. Although I'm not really looking for it. It's like you can tell the hustle that the she has, there. right? The hustle's there. Yep. The knowledge I mean, is there. The background's there. She's willing to do the research. She's willing to watch every race. She um, knows what she's talking about. Totally. Yep. Right. No, she was great. And um, it is nice to get differing, you know, viewpoints on the air. We love having John on, but John is a. And she picked my horse. John, there you go. So, <laughs> it, damn it. The, uh, <laughs> But, no, it is what it is. No, great having Megan on. Hopefully we'll have her on again before Derby. Well, there we go. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, we, we talked about these two races coming up. We uh, and briefly mentioned the fact that we have get to see uh, British Idiom uh, run again in the Rachel Alexander. It's going to be a huge day at the fairgrounds. Um, what were your big takeaways after hearing Megan talk? I guess we need to start making some picks. We do. And my biggest takeaway was, was that, you know, after – how she talks about looking at where these horses come out of, right? Right. She talks about graduating. What she means by that is where did your horse start its journey? And so she said, you know, well, if it's Saratoga, if it's Churchill Downs, the reason she says that is because the the competition level at a place like Churchill Downs or at Saratoga is going to be higher than other places. We talked about last week um, how horses get on the road to the Derby and which prep races are good predictors for the Derby, things like the Santa Anita Derby or the Florida Derby. That's exactly what she's talking about, just in a different um, setting. And so she's trying to pick out those horses. You know, if they came out of Laurel, for example, in Maryland, it might be a little bit lower of a threshold than coming out of Gulfstream, for example, right? Both on the both on the East Coast, but the competition level might be a little bit lower. You know, whoever the the trainers are in those different places um, might be at different levels. And so when she talks about, you know, hey, you can never go wrong with Steve Asmussen, she means that, right? That's you and, know, well, unless it's the Derby. <laughs> You win a lot of money betting on Steve Asmussen horses. No, absolutely right? for sure. And yeah, you know, yeah. you know, one of the things I didn't get to, we didn't get to with her because totally monopolized her time. The sires of these horses now are horses that, you, you know, if people are listening for the first time, maybe you know, you you, you found us through Megan. You know, I only became a horse racing fan when I moved to Kentucky about 10, 11 years ago. One of my favorite horses the last decade is Palace Malice, and I don't have a good reason other than it felt like every time i bet on palace malice he won who won who did run in the risen star by the way oh there you go <laughs> and he's got a third he's got a son running his number nine in the first in the first uh race in, in race 12 uh mr monomoy a uh, brad cox floor uh, frenchy there you go so i i'll probably bet on him just because it's a palace malice horse 
Pals Malice is standing for like nothing, for like 15 grand or something. And um, standing means uh, what his breeding cost is. Um, for anyone that's listening and didn't know what a standing fee was. But, um, you know, Oxbow's in here, Tappet's in here, Shackleford's in here, um, Hard Spun is in here, you know, Into Mischief is in here, uh, Uncle Mo, you know. I mean, a lot of, Tappet, lot of different sires. You know, Union Rags we saw yeah. for sure, right? And so, like, you know, horses that we got to watch the last decade or so are now daddies, right? You know, and so that's it's just a it's a cool thing about horse racing. You can watch, you know, we, we talked last week about American Pharaoh having the most – um, the most Colts nominated right. for the Triple, Triple Crown. Crown series. Um, it's cool to be able to watch Pharaoh win the quadruple, triple, right, and then go on and, you know, have offspring that, that are worthy of the Triple Crown already. It's pretty incredible. All right, so we'll stay on the Risen Star just because yeah. you're talking about it. I, and I just want people to do – this is this is how big this race is, okay? So last year, who won the Risen Star? Who won the Preakness? Oh, War of Will. That's War right. of Will. Yeah. Country House came in second. That's right. So this race had the Preakness winner and the Technical Derby winner. Yeah, at very worst, the second place Derby runner. So that that's pretty. That's the, incredible. The year before that, and War of Will ran a very good Derby race. Absolutely, just yes. you know, got Traffic. impeded. Yep. Traffic. <laughs> Traffic. Traffic. All right, we're not gonna go there. <laughs> Bravazo won this race in 2018. Gervin won in 17. Gunrunner won in 2016. My, probably my personal favorite horse of all time. In 2015, War Story came in second, and Keen Ice came in third. Wow. Um, Keen Ice has had a pretty good yeah, no kidding. pretty good career. Palace Malice came in third. Vickers in Trouble came in third in this race. Mucho Macho Man won this race. That's just since 2011. That's some wow. serious that, – I mean, there's some serious runners that have come out of this race. Same thing goes for the Rachel Alexander. Yep. Who won the Rachel Alexander last year? Do you have any idea? <sighs> you like oh. this horse, by the way. And by the way – oh. This fits right on with Megan. What Megan was saying about looking what these horses. When I saw Serengeti Empress on the track at Churchill Downs, I was like, "Yeah, there's your Oaks winner." Both of us did that. Yeah, who was it? It was Serengeti Empress. Oh, it was Serengeti Empress? Okay, yep. Yeah, and then not only that, Monomoy Girl won this race in 2018 wow. on the Rachel Alexander. So you, I mean, there's this is a serious. This is a serious day of racing. Right. This is one to watch for sure. And uh, and it's going to tell you a lot. And it's interesting to me because. I want to talk about the thir- race 13 first because I agree that I think Ano Duor – did I say that right? Ano Duor. Yeah. All right. Well, no one's going to say it like that. Ano Duor. Ano Duor. Dioro or Dior. Um, ano Dior uh, is, is very vulnerable. Yeah. And uh, I think we're going to see uh, – you know, I think most people are looking at this race like it's pretty wide open. And if you don't go with Ano Dior, then people are looking at Liam's Lucky Charm. But I really think you you got the chance for a really good money play. Uh, you know, Megan mentioned the one. Uh, we mentioned th- that we both like the 12. A lot of people are talking about mailman money, especially if it's a wet track. Yep. Uh, the six was a horse that Megan threw out the accession, which right now, morning line odds, 20 to 1. So it might be worth putting in some exotics. Right. Uh, Frankly, mean, at this point in the, in, the, in, the, in the preps, like you could just throw money – on those horses to win, man. As far as I'm concerned, absolutely. Yeah, you know? I, I think what I really like about the uh, about New York traffic is that it was a seven. You know, came out. They uh, is how he stretched, right? Seven furlongs, six furlongs, starting off, going back and forth, trying to figure out what was best. And then when they stretched him out to a mile and sixteenth, his speed figure improved, uh, and he seemed to like going the distance. Right. And I and I think that's what I really like about your traffic. I don't like the twelve spot, but I don't think that's as big of a deal at the fairgrounds when you're in the twelve hole as compared to other tracks. I agree, especially once you get to this distance. Yeah, you got time to make it up. Correct. The, the, the two turns allows you to make up your po- your post position. So, anything that you want to say about the thirteen? <sighs> Not really. Um, I'm coming with all the stuff this time, and you are. I I um. I think uh, I, I think Megan's right in that it is wide open. I am always scared to bet these races. I, f- I think of them as two-year-old races, frankly. Um, but, you know, if you – if there's I think that's fair. If there's something you like about a horse and they're double-digit odds, that's a nice place to place an across-the-board bet that we've talked about, right? That's a win-place-show bet. Yep. Maybe a smaller amount of money, but um, like we talked about with Megan. Um, and so, you know, you might be able to get some nice, some nice value out of a horse that you really like. Um, she said that Modernist has already run at this distance. Bill Mott, by the way, trained Country House last year, ran really well in this race, right? So maybe mm-hmm. Modernist is a horse that you want to run. Um, but, yeah, it'll be 
I think it's going to be two great races. In case anyone's wondering, all of these races are on Fox Sports 2, FS2 this weekend. Oh, really? Um, and so all of them are going to be on, along with TVG, so you're, you can watch either's coverage. I've actually tuned into Fox Sports for, like, their Saratoga coverage. Yeah. They do a pretty good job. Nice. And and so it's um, it's it's nice to see, you know, we talked last week about Larry Columbus moving full-time to NBC. It's nice to see that these other stations are, are looking at this as a place where they can get. Which is the number one sign, I think, of, of why I think dirt horse racing is in good shape. It, at least the lead up to the Derby. What's interesting is I think the point system has helped. Has helped TV ratings. Absolutely. Which is super interesting, right? And so th- that's a positive out of the horse, excuse me, out of the point system. And so, it, you know, going forward, that'll be interesting. But yeah, I guess after t- after Megan's comments, I think Modernist is going to be my pick in the in the 13th race. The number one Modernist 12 to 1 right now. Um, if you, by the way, in the 12th, the, the first heat of the. Uh, I'm totally Risen going Star, with her pick, by the way. With her pick being Silver uh, State. Silver State. Uh, I know that that's going to be a very popular pick. If, by the way, just just so uh, if it is wet, the uh, the Blackberry Wine has won on the wet tr- uh, wet track. Okay. I think uh, no, just once. So um, Blackberry Wine has multiple races though on a wet track uh, and wet turf actually. So uh, I I'm leaning towards Blackberry Wine right now. Okay. I think that it's supposed to be 66 and uh, partly cloudy on Saturday and no rain tomorrow right. in New Orleans. So I do think that though that that uh, that allowance race, yeah, you're on gets it. a little bit more um, credit because there was two solid horses in mm-hmm. there. It's not like you know I I go back to that maximum security allowance race in January of last year right. when when it was with Math Wizard. Math Wizard, yeah, right. So there's it's. It, it's not like your normal allowance totally. optional claiming race. It's yeah. like let's go out there, uh, and we understand it's an optional claiming race. We got all remember people like dogging us on the air last year at the Derby coverage because we were like you could have claimed, and we knew yeah. like, you know yeah. we were just yeah. Anyway, hey, we, those Vison guys, man, that's <laughs> serious. Business. They were taking some serious <laughs> stuff right there. Yeah, so I I do I do like the the Blackberry wine, um, or you know potentially digital. I think more money is going to get thrown at digital, even though digital. Is six to one on the morning line compared to Blackberry Wine being five to one? I bet digital. I'm betting that digital goes off as one of the top three picks. Interesting. Okay. And Blackberry Wine might be more of like seven to one, eight to one. I think there's going to be a better price. Interesting. Okay. So uh, it'll be kind of fun to see how that plays out. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 I think this, to me, the race twelve has got a better field of horses than race thirteen. Yeah. Sure. Hey, yeah. yeah, I think I think I think uh, Megan said the same thing. And it, you don't say a hor- uh, where race is wide open. What she said was she likes Silver State, and she didn't say anything bad about the two favorites. Right, right. But she said, "Yeah, Anodor, I don't know about that. It's a wide open race. Right. That means you've got stronger horses in the first race." Um, I think in the Rachel Alexander, I mean, I think British Idiom is going to get a ton of money. A ton of money. That finite horse, though. Okay. Um. Like I think finite, finite's looking really good. So, uh, winner of her last three, uh, all three stakes races, including if I'm not mistaken, I don't have it up in front of me, but I believe it was the Rags of Riches. Yep. Uh, so she, let's see, I pulled up right now. She won. Yeah, the Breeders. Uh, I'm sorry, that's British Idiom. I, I pushed the wrong one. You have it in front of you? No, I don't. I'm pulling it up. I'm okay. Sorry. So the uh, she won the Silver Bullet Lady, the Goldenrod, and the Rags of Riches. Uh, finite did and so looking really strong I, I, I she won at the fairgrounds at you know at a um, last time out in the silver bullet lady i think this horse is one to watch for the oaks for sure okay. so uh you know that you're gonna see a horse who was not ready to want ready to run in the juvenile fillies and she's probably peaking starting to peak right now going into the oaks and we, and we don't talk a lot about the oaks race uh, or road the lead the up oaks, at least but yep you know, I think it when you have the the juvenile filly and maybe this finite kind of horse coming in, you got two potential really stars in this uh, three year old filly uh, class. So. Yeah, and finite's already won a stakes race at fairgrounds. Fairgrounds, right? Yeah, with so lady. with trainer Steve Ashman. Stevie A. That's right. There you go. So um, <laughs> I didn't say he doesn't win races. I just said he hasn't won the Derby. Get the hair out, baby. Um, I've got the best hair on the backside, not Steve Ashman. Settle down. The um, Steve's got a sweet quaff. The um, uh, I did have a great uh, – it was the Wednesday before Derby, and I picked someone up from the airport, 
And there's Asmussen picking someone up from the airport. And I thought, good God, how many races do you have to win before someone else picks up people at <laughs> the airport? <laughs> well, listen, if it's your owner, you're picking them I, up at the airport, it's right? Pretty, so. sh- pretty clearly who that was. Right? <laughs> and if nothing else, like uh, <laughs> he's also he's also one of those guys that uh, when you hear him speak, he doesn't sound the way you would think he would sound. Uh, you know, I met I met Steve Asmussen at the Preakness the first year I went, and they have an indoor paddock there that's behind glass. Yep. And he was watching one of his horses. And he was just standing there by himself. And yeah. you could just tell the crowd there didn't know who he was. It right. was probably uh, Black Eyed Susan Day on Friday. And um, I just walked up, started talking to him. And he's just a super normal guy. Pretty, He's pretty quiet, actually. Nice. So, yeah, but yeah. No, the hair was looking great. Oh, <laughs> just, just my my hair. Listen, my curls are I know. Rocking. Everybody's got better hair than me. It's all good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think I think it's uh, I think that's about does it for us. What do you think? Pay the tab. Pay the tab. Let's head home. Uh, this has been now. If you like the show, we've got to start doing this. Yeah. Stuff so too. if you've listened this long, it means that you're a, a, a real fan of the show. Or if you even if you're glad for punishment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter at Horse Happy Hour. Go ahead and give us a follow. That'd be great. And then um, like, put all review. the shows up there. Like reviews, whatever you can. Live sportscaster. Oh my gosh, that's way too loud. I'm gonna pull that down a little bit. Oh, what are we doing today? This Sorry. is painful. Um, we're a stable boy. The uh, <laughs> so find us on Twitter at Horse Happy Hour. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple. You can find us on iHeartRadio. Anywhere that you listen to a podcast, you can find us. Go ahead and subscribe. These will automatically shoot to you every Thursday night, and uh, you can get ready for the uh, the weekend's races. And hopefully, we'll be able to keep up a string of tremendous guests that we've had. Uh, and uh, and so in, in John and in Megan. And so uh, we'll see you next week here on the Horse Happy Hour, Horse Racing Happy Hour. Hope you have a great weekend. Good Take luck. Take care. In, good luck in those New Orleans races.